Welcome to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Behold Israel provides biblical teachings through its tours, speaking events, and social media. It's also a reliable and accurate source for developments in Israel and the region. Amir's live updates and teachings are based on God's written word. Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app, available on Android and Apple, under Behold Israel. You know, I, uh, I come from Israel. I'm a Jew from the tribe of Judah. I'm born in Jerusalem from the nation of Israel. I lead a ministry called Behold Israel. So you kind of guess what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> All eyes are on Israel. And it's important that we understand because there is a reason for that. You know, it's a, a little dot on the map, yet God has his eyes on Israel. The enemy has his eyes on Israel. The world had his eyes on Israel. The church and even the Jews, believe it or not, not all the Jews are in Israel. And so we're going to look at that this evening and try to see. Now this message is all scriptures. Because honestly, my opinion means nothing. This is not what we're here for. What we're, I'm trying to establish is that you understand the importance of why all eyes are on Israel. And you will be encouraged that the nation that is over there a few thousand miles away from you is the insurance policy for your having a God that is keeping his covenant. You understand that? So let's, uh, let's start with a prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is true. And we ask this evening that you will sanctify us by that truth. We thank you and we bless you in the name of the Holy One of Israel, Yeshua Mashiach. In his name we pray, amen. So, all eyes on Israel. Let's take a look at God's eyes on Israel. And we're going to look at the past, present, and, and of course, future. <clears throat> so we start with the past. And remember that this is a nation that came out of Abraham's loins. And it's a nation that was destined to bless the world. And I say that because there's enough teachers, even in the Calvary circles that I heard that somehow when it comes to Genesis 12 they kind of started changing the tone on what that promise to Abraham was all about Genesis 12 1 to 3 now the Lord had said to Abraham get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you I'm not giving you an option here I am going to show you a land and I will make you a great nation. Now remember, the name Abraham eventually was what? The father of what? Many nations. But there is a special, specific nation. And he says that I will make through you. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. So he said, I will make you a great nation. So now he's talking about that nation. You shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the family of the earth shall be blessed. So, 
the nation of Israel was designed to be a blessing to the whole world. So, because you understand from this scripture, he's speaking about a specific nation that will be a blessing to all the rest of the nations. Look, it says to all the families of the earth. Because a lot of people are saying that Abraham is... Look, people say we, the Christians, the Jews, and the Muslims, we are Abraham. That's true, but how about you know, Isaac and Jacob? That's where they stop. And from what we read here, we see there is going to be a nation that will come that it's designed to bless the rest of the world. And if you're blessed by God... You cannot be cursed by men. And you need to remember that yourself. If you're blessed by God, men cannot curse you. And you know, they tried. I mean, I'm looking at the story of um, Balak, the king of Moab. If you remember, he was so frustrated. He saw a nation of people that they don't even know how to fight, yet they win every fight. And he understands that something, it's, it's something beyond the natural. So, so he figured, if I curse them in, a, in the spiritual way, that is going to work. And he took up his oracle and he said, Balak, the king of Moab. And that's the, he went to a, 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 a person called, um, a, as you know, um, a, um, the, um, the story of... Um, uh, I have a blackout, I'm sorry. <laughs> Balaam, exactly. And Balaam, remember, had, you know, he had an interesting encounter with his donkey and other things, but we're not going to talk about that one. <laughs> but I will tell you that Balaam was standing, he received money to curse Israel. He, that was his job right now, to do that. And he stood there and he said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains on the east, and, and come, curse Jacob for me, and come, denounce Israel. And look what he says. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? He said, I can't do that. Take your money back. <laughs> it's not going to work. And it's amazing because... Not only that the nation was not cursed, but blessed. And by the way, that was during the time that Israel was very, very ungodly. It's not that Israel was perfect, so God is blessing them. You need to take that one out of your mind. God has his plan for Israel. And not only for Israel, look at Jerusalem itself. Jerusalem is where God set his name and presence. Look what he says in 2 Chronicles 6, verse 6. He says, Yet I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there, and I have chosen David to be... By the way, that's the David, which is the greater David, the Jesus, the, who will be reigning from Jerusalem over all the world. And then he says, David to be over all my people Israel, for now... In, verse, in chapter 7, verse 16, I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there, what? Perpetually. Amazing. That's the heart of God. If you have a problem with that, talk to him, not to me. <laughs> the nation of Israel, it's his thing. 
The city of Jerusalem, Jerusalem is his thing. And when Daniel came with a prophecy about the future, he said, I was sent to give a prophecy regarding your nation and your city. These are the two things that are inseparable. There's a 45th president that realized that. And did something about it. The Bible said in Psalm 132 verse 13, For the Lord has chosen Zion. And he has desired it for his dwelling place. I don't care what the UN says. I don't care what the US says. I don't care what the EU say. EU, OU, OU, EE, ah, ah. I don't care. The Lord has chosen Zion. Just so you know, the UN declared Zionism as racism. Yes, in the 70s. The later on, they changed it, but that's how much they are obsessed with the truth of the, the scriptures. The Lord has chosen Zion, and he has desired it for whose dwelling place? His dwelling place. Jesus is not coming back to Mount Rushmore. He is not coming back to Salt Lake City. He's not coming back to New York City. He's not coming back to any other mountain or any other city but Mount of Olives and the city of Jerusalem. I mean, get used to it. <laughs> what about God's eyes in Israel in the present? Well, God prepared the land, if you remember. He prepared the land to get ready for their return, the, the return of the Jews 100 years ago. The land was dry, the land was dead, nothing grew there. It was just a barren wasteland. And the Lord spoke through the prophet Ezekiel. He said, and I speak to you, O mountains of Israel. You shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel. They're not there yet. For they are what? About to come. In prep you know how the captain says, in preparation for landing, please buckle your seatbelt. In preparation for the return of Israel, the land is required to shoot forth its branches and yield its fruit because the people need it. And it's just fruitful right now. Have you been to Israel? Have you, have you had breakfast there? I mean, the, the vegetables and the fruits, it's unbelievable. I travel around the world and it's not the same. Ezekiel 36, look what he says. I will sanctify my great name which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know, the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into the Palestinians' land. Oh, no, no. I'll bring you into the Arab land, into the British mandate. Or in no, 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 no. You see, nobody could have stopped the return of the Jews to their land. When my mother was born, she was born in a detention camp in the island of Cyprus because her Holocaust surviving parents were denied entry into Israel by the Brits. They turned their boats and she was... But guess what? The Brits left, and we all came, and that's where we are. You see, no one can stop it. And God is the one, not only who restored the land first, 
but also restore the people back to that land. In Ezekiel 37, to the valley of the dry bones, he said, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in what? Your, oh, I am not apologizing for me being in Israel. It is not something that any one of us should apologize or even try to, you know, this is, it's our land, not because it's our land and we worked hard for it and, you know, we paid for it and we bought it and somebody, no, I will place you in your own land and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. In other words, bringing Israel back to their land is God's way to say to the whole world, it's me. I am doing something. Get ready. So you guys are born and Israel is there. Oh, Israel. Oh, nice. No. hundred years ago, there was no Israel. 80 years ago, there was no Israel. Israel was just not even a dream to most Jews who were in Europe. They actually wanted to stay there. What, were, what was it in Israel? Sand dunes and what, mosquitoes and Arabs that want to kill them? No, they, no thank you. I stay in Vienna and I love my apple strudel. <laughs> and when God is warning, judgment is coming, and we, we all know that. And of course, I mean, we, we, we understand that Israel eventually and now we're talking about the future day, and I'm not ashamed to say that. My nation is going to go through the most difficult time in their history. What we've had so far will pale compared to what we're going to have. And, that's, and the Bible says so. It's not even my words. Look, look, what, look what the future says. A tribulation... And thankfully, it will lead to their salvation. Jeremiah 30, verse 7 says, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. Nothing that ever happened in the history of Israel will be like that time when they will face horrible persecution. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble, Israel's trouble. The tribulation is for Israel's salvation. It has nothing to do with the church. If you want to go through it, stay. <laughs> we'll have more room up there. But it's Jacob's trouble. Do not be mistaken. But he shall be saved out of it. Daniel 12, same thing. The angel comes to Daniel. The time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. Gabriel tells Daniel about Michael. Gabriel is from the UN. <laughs> so, he's, so he's telling him, look, that other angel that is overseeing your people, look what's going to happen. That great prince who stands watch over your sons, your people, there shall be a time of trouble. The same, but look what he says, such as never was since there was a nation. Never. Even to that time. In other words, when it will start, nothing that happened before will, will be compared to the things they're going to go through. And at that time, your people shall be delivered 
Everyone, now who? It's the key verse. Everyone who what? Is found written in the book. Make no mistake, there is only one book that if your name is there, you are delivered. You're saved. You have eternal life. Which book is that? The Lamb's book of life, exactly. We have to remember that. That's when all Israel will be saved. For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until her righteousness go forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. And Zechariah says, look, I'm not going to fool you. Not all the Jews today are going to be saved. The fact that he says all Israel will be saved, it's all Israel when he comes. Those that will be there. I mean, Tel Aviv today will warmly embrace the Antichrist if he just showed up today. Trust me. Look what he says. It shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die. But one-third shall be left in it. And I will bring the one-third through the fire. I will refine them as silver is refined. I will test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. And I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. And then, of course, Romans 11, speaking of those who are left at the end. Look what he says. I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. It's a mystery. I'm not. I'm going to tell you. So, because if I'm not going to tell you this, you're going to think that your opinion matters. He says, no. He says, he says, look what he says. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until what? The fullness of the Gentiles has come in. In other words, the full number of the Gentiles has come in. In other words, it's over. In other words, this is it. The tribulation goes through. Those saints of the tribulation will accept. The rest will, of course, reject. That is when, when Jesus comes back, we all know that they look at him whom they pierce and they will cry and mourn. And that is a sign of repentance. And look what he says. And that is when all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. But this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So now we understand God is all in with Israel. I mean, it's amazing. And he even has a great promise. But he says, come back to me, and I'll come back to you. You need to make the move. I'm, I'm always here. I'm your God. You need to repent. I'm here for you. The enemy's eyes on Israel. The past tells us in Exodus 1, verse 22, Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. See, you go back to Genesis chapter 3 and you understand that the first prophecy in the Bible was what? Was spoken not to Adam, not to Eve, but to the serpent. And we all know that he understood that the seed of the woman is going to be the one who is going to crush his head with his heel. Remember that. In other words, Satan understands the way he's going to be completely done is by a seed of a woman. Now, he, he has no clue. He doesn't know all things. He's not God. He, he wants to be. 
And so he understands, first of all, mm, Cain, Abel, who is more righteous, who is more, uh, uh, let's kill him. He didn't think that there will be Seth. And then you move on and you move on, and then he figures there is a great nation, there's a, there's a very unique nation called Israel. Let's get rid of them. And look what he says. Pharaoh commanded his people to kill all those sons that were born. Cast them into the river. The first ever genocide of the Jewish people. Right here. They didn't do anything. These are babies. Look what Esther, another attempt of genocide. He says, but he, disdain, uh, but, he, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerosh, the people of Mordecai, to kill all the Jews. You see? Satan is not resting. First Chronicles 21. Now, Satan, he can even attempt to... <laughs> To attack godly people like David. Watch this. Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So David said to Joab and to the leaders of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba to Dan and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. Only Satan is telling you that what God says no, you can actually do it. Because God is not serious about that no. That's what he told Eve, uh, Eve and, and Adam. Remember that. The enemy's eyes on Israel is not only in the past, but it's also in the present. Even today, we have a new government. The government of change we have now. We have uh, someone who literally <laughs> flipped from being right to being left. And, and from having six seats in parliament out of 120 He's now the Prime Minister of Israel, and, and, and a change. Hmm. Proverbs 24 says, My son, fear the Lord and the King. Do not associate with those given to change. For their calamity will rise suddenly, and who, know, who knows the ruin those two can bring. Hello? The enemy's eyes on Israel are also in the future. Well, look, we, right now we are as bad as you are. What a great word of uh, encouragement, huh? No, but, but it's true. We are as bad. We are legalizing more and more bad things. We are normalizing more and more bad things. We're changing the fabric of our society before our very eyes right now. It's very sad to see what's going on in Israel right now. I'm heartbroken by what is going on. The enemy's eyes on Israel in the future, Satan will move to eliminate them during the tribulation. We all know that. We know that. In Revelation chapter 12, you remember, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. And it, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth. It is the nation of Israel ready to give birth to the Messiah. Look what happened. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. It's obvious who he's talking about. It's obvious from what nation that male child is going to come out of. And look what he says. 
and her child was caught up to God and his throne. See, when Jesus was done with his ministry, where, where was he taken? Back. He's standing right under the Father, the Bible says. That's what Stephen saw. And look, the Bible says, Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there on 1,260 days and war broke out. Now we're moving straight to the future. To the future where Israel is going to flee from the horrors of the Antichrist. And a place in the desert is going to be prepared for her for 1260 days this is the latter part of the seven years tribulation 1260 days is exactly three and a half biblical years and he says michael and his angel fought with the dragon and the dragon and look this is revelation the book of revelation is an amazing book because all these events happened in the future <laughs> see for god he already seen that it's all happened because God is above time. God saw what we haven't reached yet. And he sent us an email <laughs> with an attachment. And he says, do you want to know what the next few years are going to look like? Take a look. Because it all happened. He knows. It's amazing. It's not maybe, could be. It happened already. He's seen it. What are you talking about, Willis? I'm telling you, it happened. And take a look. He says, Michael and his angel fought. Look at the language that he's talking. He, they fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven and no longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceived the whole world. And he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now I know it's not now because right now our war is not against what? But against what? Where? In the heavenlies. He's still there. Not too high, but he's still there. He hasn't been cast down yet with all of his... You understand what I'm trying to say? Now take a look at this. Satan will target Israel even after the millennial kingdom. I mean, he's really persistent. I'm, one thing about him, he's target-oriented. <laughs> now watch this. After 1,000 years, there is no Satan around during those 1,000 years. Jesus is physically reigning from Jerusalem. There is no satanic influence anywhere. Because we always like to put things on Satan. But hey, after 1,000 years, he will be released for a short time, the Bible says. Satan will be released from his prison. And he what? He will go out to do what he knows best. To deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog, to gather them together to a battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up to the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints. By then, Israel is saved. Remember, Israel received Jesus when he came back. Israel is now part with the church, with the Old Testament saints, with the saints of the tribulation. We're all now the saints in that city. And look what he says. And the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devour them. 
Now, what about the world? The world's eyes on Israel. Take a look in the past. We've seen quite a few figures in the world. Pharaoh, for example, we talked about him, but take a look in Exodus 1. Now there arose a new king over Egypt. And I'm going back to Pharaoh because Israel as a nation was only born then, in the Exodus. There was no nation before. There were the forefathers, there were individuals, but as a nation we were born in the Exodus. So I have to go only to Pharaoh and from there move on. And now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us. And so go up out of the land. Look, it's conspiracy. <laughs> conspiracy theories. This is it. Look, all he says is baloney. But, oh, they might do this and they might do that. We don't want that. We don't want this. Let's kill them. It's the easiest way. Listen. Now, we already talked about Balaam, but I want to remind you another thing. Balaam couldn't curse them because God will not allow him. But he saw another thing. Balaam saw something interesting. He says in Numbers 23, verse 9, For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. There, a people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. From the moment he saw them, and they're just wilderness wackos. They don't don't even enjoy seeing God in action. They're not. Take us back to Egypt. The food is better in Egypt. We're not here. Where's the water? Where's the food? It's always murmuring, murmuring. They're not even in it. But God is in it. And sometimes, you know, we can fight as a family, but somebody from the outside can see us and wow. Look, and you know it's not exactly great, but he, coming from the outside, can see what God is showing him. And I, Look, the family of my friend that led me to the Lord, I thought they were angels. Today I know they're not. <laughs> but at the time, I, it was amazing. I was so drawn to everything they told me. Because God showed me something. So God showed, showed Balaam that Israel is a special nation. They're not better. They're, they're meant and designed to be what? Set apart. Dwelling alone, not reckoning themselves among the nations. So Israel first suffered from conspiracy theories. Then people noticed that they're different. They're, they're not designed to be like everybody else. Remember Rahab? Hello? Good. Everybody's like, I don't know her. We all know her. Don't be ashamed of her. She was a cool woman. Why? Look, she had a better street. She was a street smart lady. Not talking about other things. But I'm saying in Joshua chapter 2, look at this. Joshua chapter 2. Now before they lay down, she came up to them, to those spies. 
and on the roof, and she said to them, I know. Because they're on the roof, it's nighttime. She doesn't want ever. She's, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And then she looks around. And then she said, and, and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, and then whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard those things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. You, the Lord your God, He, for the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. You see, the world is watching. Wow, look at what's going on. You know, Hamas, a few years ago, complained that our God divert the rockets. <laughs> they literally, officially complained. It's not fair. Their God is diverting the rockets. <laughs> Look, Rahab. Rahab understands. She's a prostitute from Jericho. Understands better than the rest. That they are different. And it's not about them. It's about their God. Hmm. What about Ruth and Naomi? Remember Ruth and Naomi? Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you to, to her um, mother-in-law, or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Wow, what a beautiful picture of the church. I mean, I always tell people, you have the choices to be Ruth or Orpah. To stick with Israel and to say, your God is my God. Or to just to kiss them from afar and then leave. And nobody will hear about you anymore. Ruth is in the lineage of Jesus. How about that? Esther. And the king Hashverosh said to Queen Esther and Mordecai, the Jew, indeed, I have given Esther the house of, Ham of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hand on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. Hashverosh, that king, he understood something. What about Cyrus? Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. I love it how God is telling us through Ezra that the words of Jeremiah must be fulfilled. Isn't that interesting? And look. Cyrus the king of Persia, so that he made proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put his writing saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you 
of all his people. May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of? He is God, which is in Jerusalem. Same with Nehemiah. We all know we all know what happened. You know, it's interesting. Nehemiah is the greatest proof that the Arabs have no right over Jerusalem. You, look, I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant found favor in your sight, I ask you to send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tomb, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, and the queen also sitting beside him, that's important to know, Okay. How long will your journey be, and when will you be return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, and that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates and the citadel which per, uh, pertains to the temple, and for the city walls. So you see, it's amazing. And then later on, Geshem the Arab, and uh, we, we all, we, there were three of them that were laughing and actually accusing Nehemiah for rebelling. And, and he said, you have no right, no memorial and no heritage in Jerusalem. That's why you will never understand me. You will never. The world's eyes on Israel, even in the present, there is an interesting admiration for the achievements of Israel. I'm not talking about the believers. I'm talking about the world. Just so you know, take a look. The world of technology and innovation. Israel is king. The, I'm to, I'm, this is the, an article, of course. Uh, the, the country has more high-tech startup per capita than anywhere else in the world and is second only to the U.S. in venture capital funds. This is an impressive feat uh, for any state, but more so for one that is only 70 years old and home to just under 9 million people. Israel is number one military in the region as of June 15, 2021. You can see that. I mean, I could go on and on and on with cybersecurity, with agricultural technology. But then, with our success, there is a rampant anti-Semitism all around the world. Take a look at this interesting thing. This is from June, just last year. Israel has only 0.11% of the world's population, yet it has 73.91 of the United Nations General Assembly condemnations last year. Somebody is obsessed, hello. <laughs> you, they need some drugs, some medications. This is serious, psychotic. U.S. anti-Semitic incidents remain at historic high in 2020. Iran leader says Israel is a cancerous tumor to be destroyed. There's a, a Dutch journalist. Bridget Wilson, she's a famed journalist and a counterterrorism knowledgeable from the Netherlands. She wrote on Thursday, May 27th, this year, a column for Jonet.nl website. And after years of combating anti-Semitism, she has come to the conclusion that the exercise has changed into ineffective. She said, it's over. Anti-Semitism in Europe one. We cannot combat it. But look what she says. The struggle towards this illness has changed into hopeless. She wrote, uh, and look what she says. 
the, if the Jews are European canaries in a coal mine, you remember the canaries? You would bring the canary to the coal mine. If canary dead, you better run away because you're about to die. That bird will, will be the forerunner. And she says, if that, if the Jews are European canaries in a coal mine, she, she mentioned, then this, this, this bird is now not alive. In other words, Europe is done. And that's a European woman. The Balfour Declaration, if you remember 1917, is giving us the hope for a land for the Jewish people. But it wasn't until San Remo Conference in 1920 that the Balfour Declaration became a good decision of the League of Nations of those days. The world's eyes on Israel in the future, very interesting. They're going to try to kill us, but God is going to judge them for it. I mean, I want you to see in Joel chapter 3. For behold, in those days and that time when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. They also have divided up my land. This is just the Old Testament equivalent of the New Testament story of the sheep and the goat judgment from Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory and all the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and He will set the sheep on His right hand and the goats on the left. And what was the criteria? If you did the least of all these things to my what? Brethren, then you are sheep. In other words, the way you treated the brethren of Jesus, that's, a, that's, a diff, that's the judgment of the nations. And Zechariah says, after those who survive the tribulation, there will be an annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem on the Feast of Tabernacles. Not on Christmas, not on Ramadan, Feast of Tabernacles. You need to store all those trees. You won't use them anymore. Or all those eggs and bunnies, whatever you're doing. I'm not sure. The Bible says in Zechariah 14, it shall come to pass that everyone who is left from all the nations that came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. If the family of Egypt will not come, then... Uh, we know that they shall have no rain and they shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not. In other words, you want a sure investment, invest in Jerusalem. They'll have to come. I can see at airport there, airplanes, Air Messiah, Messiah Airlines, you know, all of they, they have to come. If they don't come, they will be punished. Hello? Better than Bitcoin. I'm telling you. <laughs> Think about it. What about the church eyes in Israel? In the past, the church fell into replacement theology, even in Paul's time. Look, for replacement theology is not something of, of the last two, three hundred years. Paul saw it. That's why he wrote Romans 11. 
And we know that this already happened in his time, and that's why he, started, he said, but what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed to the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And then he says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Are you happy? Look at you. You're Gentiles. You're pig eaters. You are... No. Listen. It's who you are. And, and the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, remember who you were. Okay? And remember who you are now. And look what he says. He says that through their fall... In order to provoke them to jealousy, salvation was given to you. Yeah. And, and by the way, some of the Christians want to be Jews for some reason. I'm not sure why. What's, what's your story? <laughs> Look, Israel is 90% the people and then 10% the priests and Levites and priests. Okay? You have been promoted to be priests. You've been promoted. To be priests directly, you're a priest, nations of priests, holy priesthood. Why do you want to be demoted to the people? <laughs> Not sure about that. Through their fall, in order to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world, and their failure riches to the Gentiles, how much more their, faith, their fullness? For I speak to you, Gentiles. Are you a Gentile? Are you Gentiles? I speak to you inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciliation of the world, what will be their acceptance but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God of, on those who fell, severity, but towards you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, Otherwise, you also will be cut up. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again, he says. For if you were cut off of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? There is a great hope for Israel. And the church must understand that. The church never replaced Israel. Because if the church replaced Israel, then all the promises of God to Israel were just, what? Not true. 
And God is not happy with that theology. Not happy at, at all. The church's eyes on Israel in the present is that many churches are getting back to understanding Israel's role. I mean, a lot of churches are finally getting it. You know, Isaiah 40 verse 1 says, Comfort ye, comfort my people, says your God. But look, in the Hebrew, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami. In other words, it's an imperative to other people to comfort his people. Isn't that interesting? Who are the people that can comfort Israel? There's only one group of people on planet Earth that can comfort Israel. It's the believers. How do I know? 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. With what? With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The only nation on planet earth that can comfort Israel is the nation of the believers. Because we were comforted in a way that we can comfort others. What can the world, the non-believing world comfort Israel with? Uh, we're going to get you tomorrow. W what? <laughs> Some churches are blind to what God is doing with Israel. We know that. Learn this parable from the fig tree. I'm urging you. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation, you, say, my generation. Smile. Because it's you. This generation will by no means pass. Why, do, why is it you? Because you see the fig tree coming back to life. 100 years ago it wasn't. 80 years ago it wasn't. It's there. And you live to see it. You're the most privileged generation since the time of Jesus Christ. You understand that? Yeah, yeah but it's hot outside. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, the, the restaurant is closed on Mondays now. Hello? Perspective? The church's eyes on Israel in the future, <laughs> the church and Israel will reign together from Israel. Isn't that interesting? Remember? Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Where from, by the way? Where is Jesus going to reign from? Hello? Investment? With Israel, it will be targeted in this, um, the church with Israel, the believing Israel, will be targeted in the second Gog and Magog. We read it from Revelation chapter 20. It's the, the camp of the saints. And we, will be the, we are the saints that come back with Jesus and the Jewish people will accept him and we will be targeted together. What about the Jews' eyes on Israel? In the past, the ungodly Egypt generation missed Egypt. Hello? You would think, oh, the Jews are going to their land that God has prepared. They didn't want to. Let's make it very clear. They wanted back in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. If we die, at least let us die next to a steakhouse. <laughs> For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We, we want to die full, not hungry. <laughs> Look, amazing, isn't it? The ungodly remnant of Judah went back to Egypt. Do you remember what happened with Jeremiah the prophet? Anyone remembers Jeremiah? Jeremiah is a tragic, tragic, tragic figure. I mean, he suffered so People will go today to school of prophets. Don't. <laughs> prophets are not people that go to school of prophets. Many times I go to school of prophets because prophets make profit. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> but I want to tell you, folks, Jeremiah begged them, don't go back to Egypt. And they said, okay, you know, Jeremiah, pray to God, ask him if we should go. And he prayed, and 10 days later said, don't go. And they said, we don't believe you. We go. And he had to go with them. And we never heard about him again. All of his life, he dedicated to the Lord. We, we really don't know what happened to him. But one thing we know, Israel was not so attached to the land. The minute the danger came, they were so afraid, they went back to Egypt. How, how tragic. Jeremiah 44 Therefore, thus said to the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will set my face against you for catastrophe and for cutting off all Judah. And I will take the remnant of Judah who have set their face to go into the land of Egypt to dwell there. And they shall all be consumed and fall in the land of Egypt. They That's why the return back was from Persia and from Babylon, not from Egypt. Those who decided to go back to Egypt died in Egypt spiritual lesson by the way so we we see that it's all there what about the two good spies oh, remember there's always one good thing in this whole mess and we know in numbers 14 joshua the son of by the way it's the son of noon not none <laughs> you know, some people speculate you know his mother was not a nun <laughs> and caleb the son of yefune who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Out of the twelve, two could see that God prepared a great thing. So there is hope. The excitement of the men of God, like Daniel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, is amazing. Daniel, I love this man. 
Look what he says. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through who? See, Jeremiah, even after he died, he had such an impact even on people who came later. And, Je and Daniel, who came way after, said, I studied the books. I know it's time to come back. Because Jeremiah said, we are to be out of the land only 70 years. It's almost there. Yay! <coughs> it would be accomplished 70 years in the desolation, to the desolation of Jerusalem. Look at what Ezra said. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers who has put a, such a thing at, as this is the, the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem and has extended mercy to me before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. So I was encouraged and the hand of the Lord my God was upon me and I gathered leading men of Israel to go up with me. He was encouraged. He was elsewhere. He was away from Israel. But he was encouraged because his heart was in Israel. He knew this is our land. This is our temple. This is our city. I need to go back there and I see how God's hand is upon me. And I'm encouraged. You can either always listen to the crowd or listen to God. The crowd will never encourage you, by the way. Nehemiah, remember I pray the word that you commanded over your servant Moses saying, if you, are if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the uh, farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling place of my name. And now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Wonderful thing. What about the Jews' eyes on Israel in the present? Well, anti-Semitism led to Zionism. I don't know if you know that. But uh, because of, have you heard of the Dreyfus affair, Alfred Dreyfus? He was a, a French officer in the, you know, and, and he was uh, accused for spying for the um, uh, enemy. And, of course, he didn't do anything, but it was easy to put it on him. He was Jew. And, and then his, his ranks were, were taken off him. He was sent to uh, exile. And thankfully, uh, his innocence was proved later on, years later. And he was exonerated, you say? Yes. Now, while this whole thing happened, there was a journalist who covered this story. And his name was Benjamin Theodore Herzl. And Herzl, being a, a journalist, understood we're being targeted as, because we're Jews. We need our own country. What is the Bible calling the land of Israel? Zion. Let's go back to Zion. And that's how we started the Zionist movement. To go back to Zion. That's it. From Psalm 83, when we arrived, and all the nations came up. You know, an hour after we declared statehood, five Arab countries came up against us. Jordan, Egypt, Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq. Well-equipped armies. We? We had two airplanes. You need to hold the stick in one hand and throw the bomb with another. <laughs> we have five armored vehicles. They wanted to destroy us because hour earlier, we changed the name of the land from Palestine to Israel. And so they wanted the name of Israel to be remembered no more. 
That's Psalm 83. That was 1948. Another attempt in 1967. Another one in 1973. Then they gave up. Egypt signed peace with us. Jordan signed peace with us. And literally, Lebanon and Syria do not exist anymore. They're just falling apart. And the rest of the Arab world is having peace with us right now. The, Arab, the United Arab Emirates this morning opened their embassy in Tel Aviv. This morning. Where? In the building of the Tel Aviv stock market. Why? Because billions are going to flow. Investment. They see the fruits of all of this. We, all of us, you, us, myself, we're witnessing the great transition from Psalm 83, where we were almost annihilated by our own, enemy, and our own neighbors, to Ezekiel 38, which is what? Israel is safe, strong, prosperous, and the enemies are not the neighbors, but it's the second tier. It's Turkey and Russia and Persia and, and Iran and it's Sudan and Libya. These, these are not the, the neighbors. It's the second tier. And they, the Bible says that they're coming what? They're coming to steal, to take, to plunder. It's not about anything, but it's something we found. If Psalm 83 was about come let us cut them off from being a nation, Ezekiel 38 is all about we know after many days you will visit and the, the latter days you will come into the land of those who brought back uh, to, by the sword gathered from many people on the mountains. And look what he says. You, you will come to steal and to plunder. And God will, of course, save us from all of that. And what about the Jews' eyes on Israel in the future? The return of the Jews will be completed. We know that. Isaiah 11 it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord shall set his hand against the second time, again the second time, to recover the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt, Patros, Cush, from Elam, Shinar, from Hamad, from the islands of the sea. Wow. And I will set up a banner for the nations and I will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. All Israel will be in the land to see the return of their Messiah. And the Bible says, and I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look at me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn and he will come back when they will come back remember that that's what he said Hosea 5:15. I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their offense then they will seek my face in their affliction they will earnestly seek me the tribulation is for Israel's salvation remember that the closer you get to God and His Word, the more you understand Israel's divine connection to the land. And the more you understand that their return to the land is your sign to buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> because we're soon out of here. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. Father, I thank you. 
how I thank you that uh, we are alive today to see these things. Our forefathers could only dream. We see. We see the day approaching. And I thank you that we have that privilege, the honor, and uh, we do not want to take it for granted. Father, I ask that anything that uh, your wor all that your word says will be seriously considered by your people and not be ignored, not be hidden, not be uh, shunned, and not be taken figuratively and symbolically. But Father, we want, we want people to understand that through what you do with Israel, you're sending the message to us that our time is coming and we're soon out of here. We thank you for your promises, for, for the great promise that you will come and receive us unto yourself. And so where you are, we will also be. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Now, listen. That was a race against time. And that was pregnant with scriptures. I hope you understand nothing that I said here is my own interpretation, my own ideas. We backed it up with scriptures, and that's what you always need to do. And I, right now, we're going to open it to q and A. I'm going to ask, uh, Pastor, if you can come and help me. Um, again, we're not to, thank you, we're not to uh, listen. Answers. Uh, try to stick to the topic and not ask me uh, things that have nothing to do with with this topic. Okay, um, and I will try to answer. Both of us will try to answer as much as we can. All right. Okay. Let's start. Amen. Amen. So we're going to go left and right, and what we want you to do is come and kind of line up a few at a time at these microphones. The security guys are going to clear your question. And again, I want to reemphasize, we don't want you to tell us anything. This is a moment for you to ask questions. And so if you do have a question, now if you are in these two center sections, please don't come down and across, go out and around. And so there is an aisleway in the back on this side. This side, you're going to have to go out into the lobby and then back in around. So if you have any questions, please start lining up and we'll take those. Was this great? Yeah. Oh, that's okay, be beautiful. It uh, looks like Dan, you're going to go first. Uh, we, yes. I can vet him right now. Dan, you're good to go. All right? Um, Gog and Magog. Yes. Okay. First of all, the term Gog and Magog appears twice in two different books, and it's two different wars. So let's not con con confuse the two. The war of Gog from the land of Magog is in Ezekiel. Now, the, when you read and you understand what God is doing there, you understand there is a great war and God is the one that is fighting for Israel. But my question for you is, is Israel accepting God and following him after that? Well, I don't think so. What I think, and now I'm coming to my own interpretation because this is where we don't know. Take a look. 
when God will intervene and literally win the war for us because America will not help us, thank you. <laughs> what? No, it's not about if you're here or not America. I didn't talk about the church. Right now. Talk about America. America officially is withdrawing from the Middle East. We, we all see that. Look, 45th played his role to bring the embassy to Jerusalem and to bring the, the, the wait, wait, embassy to Jerusalem and to bring the peace that we needed with the Arab countries that Ezekiel says we already have. Because Ezekiel says those Arab countries will protest the invasion. So they have, they, they have to be on our side. But the thing is this, I'm, I sat for hours and I was thinking about your question. And I realized if the, if the Jewish people would see the hand of God in such a clear way, they will have what we call messianic expectations. This is it. God is now blessing us. This is it. And guess what's going to happen? Who's going to introduce himself as Messiah? Exactly. And they will what? Accept it. Look, we were just saved from a great war. Now, because look, if the Antichrist is already ruling, why would five countries come against us? There's a one world government by then. It's a different story. I think that Israel will mistaken the great hand of God with what is going to be deceiving them later on. And, and look, when you're offered peace and temple, you take it, <laughs> two for one. And you have to understand also, a lot of people, sorry that my answers are long, a lot of people, when they hear peace in the Middle East, they immediately think about the Antichrist. No. Peace is required sometimes to bring about the stage for a war that it will produce the false peace. You understand that? The peace that, the, or the peace plan that was introduced by the 45th president was a necessary one, but it never included a temple for Israel. In other words, this could have not been the Antichrist peace deal. You understand that? Because the peace deal that the Antichrist will give to Israel, by no means, it will have to include a temple because the seven years, according to Daniel 9, will include a deal a temple that is already in existence, and then halfway through, he will stop the sacrifice in the temple. So obviously, the temple is there in Jerusalem. We don't see that happening right now. It cannot happen as long as Islam is a big and very, very, uh, I guess, to some degree violent religion. What's gonna happen is Ezekiel war will eliminate the radical elements of Islam. You understand that? And when that happens, the millions of confused Muslims are going to be accepted to the new world religion that will not require them to accept Jesus. It will require them to be good people who do good things, think good, be good, do good, and you're good. And that's it. And, and that's exactly what we see how, how it's already being prepared. This, this new thing that the Vatican is pushing so hard right now. Jesus is not even in that equation. <laughs> it's, not, it's not mentioned. The Vatican has already declared that Islam is a, a legitimate religion that could lead people to the kingdom of God. Make no mistake, 
They, they already, I have the papers that they said that. Now, it's not yet in, in, in any need, because Islam is still its own religion, but the moment that war is going to take place, look, the Shiite radicals is Iran. The Sunni radicals will be coming from the side of Turkey who wants to control the Sunni world, because Saudi is on our side by then. UAE is on our side, Bahrain is outside. You see, the moderate uh, Arabs are on our side, but Turkey is, Turkey is not Arab, but it's Sunni, and it wants to restore the caliphate back to their hands. So all of that will bring a different reality to the Middle East, where Islam will no longer be a dominant world religion, and the world will be introduced to something that will be very inclusive, and that will confuse the Jews, because their enemies are no longer their enemies. And what's going on here? There's a guy that is giving us a temple? Whoa! And then he must be the Messiah. You get, you get it? But then, remember, their, their perception of Messiah is completely wrong. It's a man. Then once he walks into the temple and says, I'm not a man, I'm a god. Then we said, mm-mm, 2,000 years ago, we said no to somebody. Not for you. And that's when Jesus said, look, when that happened, you have no time to even pack. Run! Don't even pack because it's, it, look, he will walk, he will want to destroy you. And that's, of course, this whole thing is about Israel. He says, pray that it's not going to be in the, in the Sabbath day. He says, pray, I mean, to the mountains. It not happen in the winter. Excuse me, the winter in some parts of the world is not that bad. <laughs> Sabbath is not that holy day for, for see, it's all about Israel. It's all about the Jews. It's all about that moment when the Antichrist is making that move and just run. And where will they run to? The place that God prepared for them in the desert for 1260 days. Remember that. That was the longest answer to the shortest question. <coughs> Not to mention, I don't think he answered your question. It was a Jewish version of an answer. <laughs> okay, so I, I did answer because what I said is, it has to be before. Hello? So after all I said, you did Okay, good, thank you. All right, we're on this side. Thank you, Amir, for what you do. Uh, I follow you on Telegram, and thank you for those Telegram posts. That They're fantastic. I pray constantly for you. Thank you. Amen. My question is about timing. I've never quite heard uh, your take on this, on the Ezekiel 38 war that's going to be coming. Mm -hmm. uh, Israel will be burning the weapons for seven years. Mm -hmm. If all of Israel is gathered into Israel when that happens, and halfway through they flee to the desert. No, I, I didn't say that. I didn't, it, the Jews must be back for the return of Jesus back on earth. That's when they receive him. The return of Jesus is at the end of the tribulation. You understand? Ezekiel is right before ushering the tribulation. It's a, it's a, there's a seven years difference here. Okay? Okay, so I was, uh, I guess I was looking at the, the burning of the weapons for seven years. Will there still be Jews in Israel throughout the seven years of tribulation? Or will the, does that place the, the war? First three, uh, okay, the first three and a half years there will, there will be in Israel, of course. But once they understand that this guy is 
not the Messiah, <laughs> and they will run, it will probably be only a third of them. Okay. Remember, we talked about it. But we also have to remember that I didn't say necessarily that the Ezekiel war, the day it starts, the, it's the day that the uh, tribulation begins. Right. I didn't say that. Yeah, right. But no, I, it I makes sense that it will be before, even for that reason of the burning of the weapons. You understand that? But remember, remember, Israel is in the land until the Antichrist takes over, halfway through. I mean, what is it that he wants to be, you know, worshipped in the temple? He basically says, you're no longer an independent country. I am now the king here. I'm the god here, not only the king. Did you understand that Israel today is a democratic state, but it's for a reason and for a season. And, and the, the clock is ticking. The countdown to the end of Israel as a democracy had begun. This is it. The Jewish people in Israel today are being given to deception by this government of change. Make no mistake. And make no mistake also, all of you, this change even your politicians use the word change, 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 okay? Now watch this, watch this. The change is always that the conservatives flip to liberals. Liberals don't flip to conservative. That's the problem. They want to hold on to the reins of, of government because they know it's a matter of time they, until they brainwash more and more and more and more. And before you know it, everybody is brainwashed. Everybody is deceived. You don't see communities of progressive liberals being led to the Lord by that government that you have today. You see the opposite. You see Christians becoming lukewarm and more and more. You, you see, you see, that's the same thing in Israel. The only way for Netanyahu not to be the prime minister was for right-wing party to flip. Because in Israel there is a majority of right conservative over the left liberal. But what can you do when the right who took the votes of the, of the conservatives flipped? That's what we see today. Thank you. Okay. Hi, thank you so much for coming. God bless you. Um, as Gentiles, what are some good ways for us to reach uh, Jewish people from Messiah Yeshua? Mm. Okay, first of all, know your Old Testament. Because Jesus never preached from the New Testament even once. <laughs> Paul never quoted the New Testament once. You must understand, coming to a Jew and quoting John 3.16 will never work. I will personally say that I never accepted Jesus through the New Testament. Personally, I didn't even want to read it because I was afraid of it. So I read the prophets. And when I saw the Jesus film, what did I see? That he fulfilled all the prophecies. That, I mean, well, I see Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 11, Isaiah 50, 53. I see Micah 5. I see, uh, you know, Jeremiah 30. I, I mean, I see Zechariah. I see, I see all of those amazing things. And I'm like, wow, okay, I, I guess I'm going to open the other book of the other people who eat the other thing. And then I, I was amazed to find out that the book that I was so afraid of was written predominantly by Jews. 
in almost every, the, I think the only epistle, if I'm not mistaken, and I think it's the, Thessalo the, the, the Thessalonians, that's the only one that is not quoting Old Testament. That's it. Everything else has Old Testament in it. It's like amazing. How can you not? So come to a Jew with Old Testament. Come to a Jew with Isaiah, with Jeremiah, with Hosea, and show him. I, and, and look, there was a group of Gentiles that came to Israel to the Dead Sea, to the local municipality. And they said, we are Gentiles. We can, we can see the way you're dressed. <laughs> so, and then, so uh, what do you want? We want to buy fishing permits. In the Dead Sea? <laughs> yes. Now watch this. Now, no, no, don't, don't shake your head because they were right. See, the Jews are like laughing and they're like, uh, you know, they called everybody else, come listen to this. And then the Gentiles open the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47, and said, why are you laughing? It's your Bible that says that the Dead Sea will have fish. We want to buy fishing permits. <laughs> and the Jews were like shocked. Like, what? Yes. So how about fishing permits? <laughs> they didn't give it to them because now the Jews are saying, ooh, there's a good business here. <laughs> but my point is, my point is when you know your Old Testament, you surprise them. And they're like, wow, she knows what she's talking about. And if she knows the Old Testament that good, I better listen to her, okay? And, and also remember, Jews normally don't accept Jesus by torture. <laughs> we tried it in the past. It's not going to work. Anti-Semitism, Inquisition, these things don't help. But it's the love, the support. On the other hand, don't worship them. Worship their God. Don't idolize them. That's another wrong thing. There's a pastor in Texas that believes that there's actually two covenants. One for the Jews and one for the Gentiles. There's dual covenant. You don't have to preach to the Jews. They have their own way. That's horrible. So you need to tell them that they need their Messiah, but show it and prove it through the Old Testament. Okay? Thank you. Yes. I'd ask you, do you know of any Jews that have come to salvation because of that jealousy you're talking about? We're being Absolutely. grafted in. And I can tell you that it's easier for a Jew to accept Jesus when he's away from Israel among Gentiles. Because he's not fighting the tradition, the social pressure, and he's open to hear things. And then your knowledge of the Old Testament shocks him. And then things make sense to him. But when he's in Israel, there's that pressure, the religious pressure, the, 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 the social, the, the... So, yes, uh, I believe that, uh, you know, you can... They are being provoked to jealousy. Definitely. I was provoked to jealousy. But again, remember, um, jealousy... What are you jealous of? Something good, not of something bad. They need to see you, be the light, so when they see you, they will praise what? Your Father which is in heaven. So we need to live our faith. Do you know how many people call themselves Christians and they're anti-Semites? They're 
anti-Semites. They hate the Jews and they have videos all over. They literally think the Jews are the source of all evil. I honestly don't even know if they're saved. How can you say such a thing if you know the Bible? How can Jesus, the King of the Jews, be in your heart and you can speak like that? It's, it's heartbreaking to see these things. So, and, and they call themselves Christians. See, so we need to be a light. We need to be a testimony. You, we need to know the scriptures. We need to love them and we need to walk our faith. God is love, it's not hate. And by the way, how can you call yourself a Christian and hate any group of people? Yeah. Not just the Jews. I mean, it's not, it's not working, okay? Good. Thank you for your light and the truth and your encouragement at the end of your messages. Thank you. Okay, Ned? Yes. Shalom, Amir. Shalom. I was wondering how a Jew will interpret, well, like in Isaiah 9, 6, a child that is born is also called mighty God and eternal mm -hmm. father, Avad uh, El Gabor. El Gabor. Um, but, but also Daniel, when he says, I saw one like the son of man approaching the ancient of days, and he is worshipped by all mm -hmm. the nations, and his kingdom will have no end. How do they interpret that? They don't. They, no, let me, let me explain. Let's laugh. Watch this. The Jewish religious establishment is not allowing you to read it and decide for yourself. There's rabbis. There's Mishnah. There's Talmud. There are what the rabbis said before, what this rabbi said to them. And before you know it, they don't even touch it. Did you know that Isaiah 53 is a forbidden chapter? Did you know that the Jews, when they read from the prophet Isaiah, they read chapter 52 and hop to 54? They don't know how to interpret 53. <laughs> so they literally put it aside. They don't even bother to, to, to try to think because if the rabbi said it's something else, it's something else. It's enough. That's it. It's very sad when the rabbi has the authority and not the word. But when... When you add to the word men's teachings, and Isaiah said, in their lips they honor me, but in the heart they're far away. Because what? They follow men's doctrines, men's teachings. And that's the problem. So you need to know your scriptures, but you, you need to pray that the Lord... Look, Israel is the only nation that God blinded. Remember that. And he blinded them because they hardened their heart. It's not like they were so perfect. They hardened their hearts. So God is the one who gave them spirit of stupor, eyes that they cannot see and ears that they cannot hear. I, I just quoted from Romans 11. And so you have to understand it's a miracle for them to have those scales falling and, and to see things. But the miracle happens and it's you that has, look, you have the gospel. Gospel is gospels. You receive the box full of them. All you need to do is give it to the people. Indeed. Hey, just for a minute, let me interrupt. Uh, we are live on the radio, and we've got about one minute left on the radio live. Okay. And so if you're listening on the radio right now, you can follow us later in the archives, candlelight.org. That's candlelight.org, and then go to the archives, and you can listen to the remainder. Uh, how much time do you want to spend on this the rest of this evening? We've got a, a, a minute and okay. 18 seconds. Perfect. That's what I thought. Okay. All right. Uh, let's do this. Um, there's just two on this side. 
Okay, we won't yeah. take any more. Boy, there's a few uh, of you well, on this side. We'll, we'll take the two and two, okay. but do, do okay. it short. All right, let's, yeah. I, I think the guy that's talking a long time it's, is this one. The, I know, that's my problem. I know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So uh, we know from scripture that before the Tower of Babel, Babel, uh, that it was all one language. And now, of course, with technology, a lot of the difficulties of language is being solved by technology. So my question is, from a Jewish perspective, do you see things similar to this time as it was you know, prior to building the Tower of Babel? Well, I believe that globalism is the road back to Babylon. There's no doubt. And, and, and but remember, what was the, the, the objective in the, in, in the Tower of Babel? To, to replace God, to not to worship God. And that's what we see now. Yeah. We see that the world is racing towards globalism and global, globalism happened in the Tower of Babel. That was yeah. the first time. And it is the same exact thing. We want to replace God. We do not want to worship Him when we do all of that. Amen. Thank you. God bless Thank you. Okay. Yes. Okay. Hi, Amir. Hi. I listened to an Israeli man on the Dr. Paul Thomas podcast about three months ago. This gentleman commented that Benjamin Netanyahu and Pfizer had made an agreement that information about the Pfizer vaccine would not be shared with the Israeli people for 30 years. I had never heard that before, and I was wondering what you could tell us about that. That it's not true. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Thank you. That was you. the shortest answer. Yes. Very good. Thank you very much. Good call. <laughs> Adam, you ready? Okay, we're going to go this side. Okay. We'll get the last question on this side. Will the people that survive the tribulation go into the millennial kingdom with their regular body? Okay, that's a, a okay. Surviving, you mean they're not believers? They're not the saints of the tribulation? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. And we, with glorified bodies, remember everything changes in us. So a thousand years, like one, you know, day for us. So. We will not feel, oh, we've got another 999 years to go. That's not going to be our thing. But we will definitely be able to tell someone, I know your great, 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 great grandfather. He was Amen. a cool guy. Amen. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for coming to our little corner of the States. Um, it's been a long time prayer of mine um, for the reconciliation between Jews and Muslims. And so... I, I'm wondering if there are Messianic Jews that are missionaries to the Muslims, and I'm thinking the, the ones closer to you, such as the Palestinians. Yes. Well, we, first of all, there's a lot of Arab believers mm -hmm. that are missionaries to the Palestinians, and we, uh, we know them and we support them. So, yes, there are. A good friend of mine is a, a local Christian Arab from Haifa, and he has an, uh, a, a great ministry. Uh, reaching out to the Muslims in Gaza and in West Bank. Yes, we do have those things. And we do have many times some joint conferences together. But I want you to know that there is a, it, there is a big difference between reaching out to the Christian Arabs or to the Arabs and wanting them to like us. That's, that's the other danger. Because um, there's a lot of Christian Arabs that unfortunately adopt the replacement theology because it, it will make them look good in the eyes of their own people. Because mm -hmm. Israel is the bad guys no matter what. Okay, God has forgot all about them. Jesus was Palestinian. Jesus was, you know, I mean, come on. But even the, the, the pastor of your 44th president said that. Jeremiah Wright, you know, he said Jesus was a Palestinian. Mm -hmm. Now, I doubt if he ever read the Bible. Because the last time I heard, 
Jesus was born from the tribe of Judah to a Jewish family. He was dedicated in a temple. I mean, come on. He is the glory of his people Israel, the Bible says. When, when you know, Simeon held him, he says, this is the light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel. Amen. So a Palestinian, he is not. <laughs> right. Amen. Yes, right. absolutely. And right. um, I, I just know that there are former Muslims that are praying for the Jews, and I just... And um, we do pray for them also. Yeah, and I know it's a challenge to reach out or in any way, shape, or form. Um, easier now. Online, it's much better. I mean, it's yeah. easier. You see, uh, but in Gaza, Hamas shrunk. Just so you know, Hamas shrunk the Christian community in Gaza. They're no longer there. If there is an enemy to the Christians, Arabs, is the Muslim Arabs are there. That's the problem. Let's take the last Thank question. You. Yes. Please. Hi. Hi. The microphone is a little bit, it I know. It's a little high. Go ahead. I get confused at the end of tribulation when it says all Jews will be saved. Does yeah. that just mean the one-third remnant that did It means see that those Jesus? that will be there when Jesus comes back, all will be saved. Absolutely. Okay. But those who receive upon themselves the mark of the, the, the... This is the only time, the only thing that can prevent any human being from being saved is when you accept the mark of the beast during the time of the tribulation when the beast is here. Because the mark of the beast has nothing to do with the vaccine. The mark of the beast is a token of worship. Right. It's not just here, it's here also. I mean, it's, it's by the way, it's imitating the phylactra that the Jewish people put on their hand and on their forehead. It's all imitation. So you need to understand when you worship the beast, you already took the side. And that's when you cannot be the lambs, you are the beasts. So yes, uh, I believe that when all Israel will be saved, it's all Israel that will be there when the times of the Gentiles will come in, will be fulfilled. The, the living Jews. The Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. That's it. That's it. We did it. We did it. Good. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app, available in Android and Apple under Behold Israel. Amir's teachings can be found in multiple languages. You can also visit our website, beholdisrael.org.